0: it's not anywhere directly stated that each of the disciples had been baptized by water, uh, but if you look in John chapter 3, uh, it's either twenty verse 20 or 22, that talks about Jesus um, preaching and baptizing, and so uh, we don't have any record of any of the apostles or disciples being baptized, well, the disciples, not apostles, of the apostles being baptized by John the Baptist, but We do have Jesus baptizing disciples, even though it doesn't list these guys and say, yes, this is the day that Jesus baptized them. We we believe that they were baptized by Jesus. They were baptized in water in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. But at that point, they didn't receive the Holy Spirit. So baptism didn't bring about the, the water baptism didn't bring about the Holy Spirit. At that time, no one laid hands on them. Here in in Acts chapter 2, when they received the Holy Spirit, nobody was laying hands on them. And it's not even recorded that there was necessarily a prayer for it, although we do know that they were gathered in one mind. And in the chapter before, it says that they were devoting themselves continually to prayer. But it, it isn't recorded in Acts chapter 2 that any of them prayed specifically that the Holy Ghost would come upon them. They knew that the Comforter was coming because Christ had told them that he would. That he would send the Comforter. So, and, and you'll see as we go through each key, we're going to discuss each of those points. Because some people say, well, you've got to be baptized to be saved. Baptized by water. And some people say, no, you've got to be, have hands laid on you to be saved or to receive the Holy Spirit and that's not the case. That you have to be prayed over. That's not the case. Okay? As we're going to keep keep looking here. Let's turn to key number 2 in chapter 8. Remember Philip had gone to Samaria to preach the word and the people were receiving the word. Acts chapter 8 verse 14. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John, who came down and prayed for them. Remember, Philip was one of the deacons. He wasn't one of the apostles. He was one of the deacons that had been set up in chapter 6 to, to help to make sure that the, the widows of the, of the Jewish descent and the, the widows of the scattered Jews that had returned that all the widows would be treated fairly when it came to the food distribution. So Philip was was a man used of God to preach the word in Samaria. But again, verse 14, the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God. They sent Peter and John who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit for he had not yet fallen upon any of them. They had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And they began laying their hands on them, and they were receiving the Holy Spirit. So here we had Peter and John praying for them. We had them laying their hands on, but at this point, there's no water baptism having happened. So you can't, you're not going to receive the Holy Spirit unless you're saved, unless you've asked God for forgiveness of sin. So we know that they're believers because they've received the Holy Spirit, but they haven't been baptized How can they be believers and receive the Holy Spirit if they haven't been baptized? Acts chapter 10, our scripture for today. I'll read 44 through 48. While Peter was still speaking these words, what words? The verse before, that through Jesus' name, everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins. And while Peter was speaking these words again to Cornelius in his house with his family and his friends... The Holy Spirit fell upon all who were listening to the message. Wait a minute. Peter's preaching. We don't have anybody praying for the Holy Spirit here. We don't have anybody laying on of hands going on here. And nobody has been baptized in the water. So how in the world can they be receiving the Holy Spirit? Again, verse 43. That through Jesus' name, everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins. (laughs) while Peter was preaching the Holy Spirit fell upon those who were listening to the message while Peter was preaching the word they believed they believed that it was in the name of Jesus that they would receive the forgiveness of sins there wasn't anything else that had to happen for them to receive the Holy Spirit and it's significant here that well I'm jumping ahead wait I'll get I'll get to that point Well, here's the next point. Verse 45, And all the circumcised believers who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out upon the Gentiles also. Here are six Jews from Joppa that have believed in Jesus Christ and they're seeing with their own eyes now. And and we we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Why, Why did those six fellows go with Peter? Uh, Maybe they felt like he he needed protection. They weren't sure because he was going into Gentile territory. And and we we put that out there that that might be one of the reasons. But definitely the other reason is for this right here, exactly what's happening. Is that there would be witnesses in the Jewish community would see and understand, begin to realize that Jesus Christ, who, who was the Savior and Messiah, that wasn't recognized in his own country was now availing himself to the Gentiles, that salvation was something that the Gentiles needed, they needed to receive, just like Jesus' disciples and the apostles had, that now that it was open to all, as Peter had seen in his vision of the sheet, and, and they, they sit, talk about the significance I don't think I've mentioned this before the four corners of the sheet referring to the world or even the universe. That, that, In other words, any, any man of any time, of any season, time, era, period of history. That it was open to everyone now. It was not just to the Jews anymore. But Jesus was releasing, releasing it from just the Jews to the Gentiles so that all might hear and believe. Verse 46, for they were hearing them speaking with tongues and exalting God. And Peter answered, surely no one can refuse the water for these to be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we did. Can he? And he ordered them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked him to stay on for a few days. He preached the word and the Holy Spirit fell upon them because of their belief, because their believing hearts. They knew that it was through the name of Jesus that they could have forgiveness of sins. Not through their own names, not through any of their, their Sanhedrin or Pharisee, Pharisee brothers. No, or I'm sorry, I'm now I'm confusing because we're in Gentile territory here. But it was, it was um, it, as we saw with Cornelius at the beginning of chapter 10, was all of his good works. He, 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 he prayed, he gave alms. All the the Jews had great respect for him even though he was a Roman centurion. But that didn't save him. The only thing that would save him would be to believe in Jesus' name to receive the forgiveness of their sins. So the believers that came with Peter were, were witnesses. They saw that the Holy Spirit was poured out on the Gentiles. They saw that um, they were speaking with tongues and exalting God. And, and there you have it again. What was the purpose of the tongues? Um, Caesarea were... were, were uh, yeah, the centurion. Thank you. Whew. Senior moment. Cornelius was, was living in Caesarea. And Caesarea was was a port on the Mediterranean Sea and it had a lot of traffic. So there was a lot of people living there and and doing trade and business there that spoke many different languages. So the exact same thing as what we had in Jerusalem occurs. Is that they're speaking in tongues to exalt God. It wasn't to say, ha, I speak in tongues, you don't, you're not saved. There are those that would say that even today. That if you haven't spoken in tongues, that you're, you're not a true believer. Not true. Not so. The purpose here was that the gospel would be shared with those that were in the city who didn't speak their language. But that they could, the, 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 the people in Cornelius' house, his family, his relatives, his friends that had believed and received the Holy Spirit could share the gospel of Jesus Christ with those that were there from around and that traveled there. And it was done for the purpose of exalting God. It was not about patting themselves on the back. They were speaking with tongues, exalting God. And then, then comes the water baptism. Again, water baptism doesn't save us, but it's an act of obedience and it's an act of identifying ourselves with the body of Christ. It's identifying ourselves as being a child of the King that, that others around might see that we are His. I have a reading that I received. It doesn't have an author on it. Actually, I think... He's one that you sent me. How does the thief on the cross fit into your theology? No baptism, no communion, no confirmation, no speaking in tongues, no mission trip, no volunteerism, no church clothes. He couldn't even bend his knees to pray. He didn't say the sinner's prayer, and among other things, he was a thief. Jesus didn't take away his pain, heal his body, or smite the scoffers. Yet it was a thief who walked into heaven the same hour as Jesus, simply by believing. He had nothing more to offer than his belief that Jesus was who he said he was. No spin from brilliant theologians, no ego or arrogance, no shiny lights, skinny jeans, or crafty words, no haze machines, donuts, or coffee at the entrance, Just a naked dying man on a cross, unable to even fold his hands to pray. This is the simplicity of the gospel. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believed in him would not perish, but would have everlasting life. All those things that 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 the thief on the cross couldn't do. And yet he's in heaven today. Because he believed that Jesus was who he said he was. Father help us in our lives to share, to use words. To share Jesus Christ. How can we expect them to hear if we don't speak? Father, we know that not all of us have the gift of evangelism, but yet all of us can speak. All of us can tell of the faith that we have in Jesus Christ. And someday, Father, many of us will be judged because we missed opportunities and we we weren't bold to speak of you. Oh, God, give us faith. Give us boldness. Help us to, to be willing to tell of Jesus. Thank you for your word and the truth. Thank you for what we see in Acts here, Father. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, next week, we're going to take a look at, <laughs> you know, and you wonder what Peter was thinking here as the Holy Spirit was coming on these, on these Gentiles. He was like, "Whoa, oh, i got to go back to Jerusalem and explain to the Jews what's going on here. Is it going to be a hard sell or, or what's going to go on? Now, lest you be excited and think that we're done, we're not. I want to, I want to stand on my soapbox for a few minutes. And uh, in men's Bible study yesterday, we are in Daniel chapter 11. We've been using this book, hand, The Handwriting on the Wall by David Jeremiah. And I want to, want to read a little bit and then we're going to look at some other verses. If, if this doesn't knock you off your chair, folks. The story is told of a professor at a liberal theological seminary who was teaching from the book of Daniel. His class consisted of young men and women, many of them future church leaders At the beginning of his lecture, he said, Now I want you to understand that Daniel was written during the Maccabean period in the 2nd century B.C., not by the historic Daniel who lived in the 6th century B.C. The facts were written as all history is after the events took place. So what this professor is saying was that this is history about Daniel. Daniel didn't write it. One young man raised his hand and asked, How can that be, sir, when Christ said in Matthew 24, 15 that it was written by Daniel? The professor paused a moment, looked the student in the eyes and said, Young man, I know more about the book of Daniel than Jesus did. How in the world could a man say that? How could a man say that? Many students in that class are preaching in our churches today. This is what goes on in some seminaries across the country every day. Skeptics hate the word of God and they don't know what to do with detailed evidences like those we see in the 11th chapter of Daniel. As I was reading that, I was ducking, looking for the lightning to strike. It's like, oh my word, you've got to be kidding me. In a theological seminary, where you would think that the word of God would be primary, would be on a pinnacle, and would be believed for what it is. And he says, no, I know more than Jesus does about Daniel. Are you kidding me? I I, I fear for that man's eternity. I really do. I really do. Skeptics hate the word of God. And as I prayed earlier, Satan hates it when the name of Jesus is exalted. That's why we come here to worship and to praise God, to exalt his name, to lift his name above all other names. Satan hates to hear God's name exalted. Turn with me, if you would. To Second Chronicles seven fourteen, and this this is a very uh, I'm sure a very familiar verse. One of the one of the things in Bible study is that we always you need to keep you need to keep verses in context. Because you can you can pick out verses and make them whatever you want to say if you have if you have something a point you want to prove, you can pick a verse here and a verse there and a verse there and get it all to say exactly what you want it to say. It's kind of like they say statistics, numbers. You can make them say whatever you want. Second chronicles seven fourteen says, "And my people who are called by my name." If they humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear them from heaven, will forgive their sin, and will heal their land. What's the context of this? This is Solomon, right after Solomon has preached and dedicated the temple to the Lord. That the people would have a place to offer their sacrifices and worship God. There's feasting and rejoicing going on because the temple took several years to build. And it's beautiful and it's for the glory of God. But if you back up just a, a couple of verses to verse 12, and I'm going to read that again, but in context, the Lord appeared to Solomon at night and said to him, I have heard your prayer. And have chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. If I shut up the heavens so that there is no no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among my people. And then my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sins and will hear their land. Now my eyes shall be open and my ears attentive to the prayer offered in this place. God is waiting for our prayers. He is listening for them. He wants to hear them. My eyes shall be open. my ears attentive to the prayers offered in this place. I'm not going to turn there now, but in Revelation 5, I believe it's verse 8. Talks about the prayers of the saints in heaven. All that all of our prayers are put in in large bowls and they will be poured out in worship to God. He's waiting for them. He's looking for them. He wants to hear our prayers. Isaiah 66 the Lord says heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool where then is a house you can build for me and where is a place that I may rest for my hand made all these things that all these things came into being declares the Lord but to this one I will look to him who is humble and contrite of spirit and who trembles at my word turn to psalm 51 and you'll find some very similar verses that the lord loves a broken and a contrite heart and then as we were studying in daniel chapter 10 verse 12 the angels talking to to daniel to give him a message And the angel said to me, Daniel speaking, Do not be afraid, Daniel, for from the first day you set your heart on understanding this and on humbling yourself before your God. Your words were heard, and I came in response to your words. Heaven heard your prayers, Daniel, and I was sent to you because of your prayers. God, back to Second Chronicles 7, God is attentive. He's listening. He, he's, he's yearning to hear our prayers. He's focusing on us, waiting to hear our prayers.